1: This is the ESPN Aussie Hoops Hour, Kane Pittman and Olgen Ullich back and so is the NBL. We're just a few hours away now as we're recording this uh, from playing tournament basketball and you might be wondering uh, why we're now recording this on the Tuesday and this is our housekeeping that we need to do before every episode, uh, Olgs. The schedule is going to be all over the place during the postseason. That's just the nature of the way things are going to go. We're going to have midweek games. We can't wait for everything to get started here. So, uh, the only suggestion I would have for everyone out there is if you turn the notifications on and you're subscribed, you'll see when the podcast drop uh, We yeah. couldn't do the Wednesday pod, dogs because we would have only had about two hours of lifespan before tip off on Wednesday night. Both of the uh, initial playing games are going to be held. Uh, I think this is the best place to start. Uh, what game are you more excited about the Hawks and the Jackies or the Breakers and the Kings?
0: Uh, I like the the second game, which is the five six game. I like the Kings breakers okay, game. Okay, okay, let's um, start there. Pu- purely, and I'll tell you why, and then we can sort of delve into it. It's I I still see these two teams, and it may be because I have like an inherent bias because I thought these two teams were going to be good, and so I hold it out hope that they continue that they will continue to be. But I also mainly think that they have shown a level of a ceiling throughout the season. I think that those two teams, at their best, if uh, relatively healthy can compete with the best. Uh, and that's not saying it's not, that's not necessarily not the case with the the Jack jumpers, right? I think the Jack Jumpers at their best are really, really good. The Hawks at their best. I think we're still yet to see, but I think the breakers and the Kings at their very best can compete with United, with the Perth Wildcats, with the Jack jumpers. So I'd like, I'm so intrigued at which one of those teams goes through because then if, if the winner of that can then win that second playing game and get in there, I think all bets are off. I think we are. We are as close to a everyone at 0-0 o o as we can be, and this playoff race will be wide open from that point on. So just
1: by record, both teams, 13 and 15, so both below 500, that tells you that on the balance of the regular season and you can put in all the factors that you want to put in, these two teams have been below average when it comes to their output this season. So, So which record, let me ask you this, out of the two teams both teams 13 and 15 which one of these two teams do you think is definitively better than what their record
0: would suggest so tough (laughs) because it's a tough one because i and i think the answer is the city kings and and i think it's because of the anthony lamb injury um if anthony lamb was not injured let's say the breakers got to 14 and 14 or something like that then the breakers are a legitimate chance to win it all i think they have a I think they could go into a, into the playoffs and win it out. Basically, uh, the Sydney Kings have been missing DJ Hogue for a good amount of time. They miss Jalen Galloway for an amount of, uh, an amount of time as well. I just think that team, healthy, is talented enough to still continue to make some noise. Because of that injury to Anthony Lamb, I think the Kings are that team that, if I was going to, if I wanted one to go through as in the one that I trust to make a deeper run, it's probably the Sydney Kings. As good as the Breakers have been throughout the season.
1: Yeah, we've discussed all season long that this Kings team can really score. So uh, the second offense in the league, but they haven't been able to defend anyone. And I do wonder as I look at this game and look at the lineups and know Anthony Lamb there, what's happening with Will McDowell-White? Where is he at? We know that he's been banged up for a large portion of the season, but now the shoulder as well. What does that mean for the breakers offense? So I do wonder just on paper, as we look at what we've seen over the last few weeks, (laughs) does the fact... That the kings aren't necessarily a great defensive team does it matter as much against new zealand as it would have if they were playing illawarra in this game
0: so i think it i don't think it matters as much in a playing game uh these do or die win or go home games uh we saw it last season it was the perth wildcats against southeast melbourne phoenix and we knew this perth wildcats team from last season uh was unbelievable offensively uh but they were absolute garbage defensively, <laughs> which you can get away with in a one-off playing game right because yes. all it took them was one fourth quarter outburst and they were able to win that 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 five and six now they lost the next one but if you're an elite offensive team you can sneak in with these sort of do or die games whether you can win a series without having a good sustainable defense i don't think you can i, I, I don't know but i don't think so um so that's that's the way i see to be honest both of these teams I don't think either of these teams have been excellent defensively the kings haven't have largely been bad defensively um but offensively I think you can sneak in for playing games the McDowell thing is is interesting because I I think if he doesn't play then I don't think the breakers are a real chance I don't know if they have that punch offensively uh I'm told he'll be a game-time decision Mm so he's not he's not ruled out of this so there's a chance he plays and so if he does it's another wrinkle that the breakers have. It means that they can continue to come at you with their like elite creation for a whole forty minutes. That makes this a game. Um, but yeah, the Sydney Kings, what they do offensively just makes makes me think that they can sneak through these playing games, and that's going to make a lot of people not very happy because they haven't been very very good this season. They have not been able to string games to string wins together, but they can get through two playing games, and if they do. If it's them in Melbourne, they've been a good matchup with Melbourne. They've been a talent... They're so talented and they've been a good matchup against that team. Not that all bets are off, but I think it'll be closer than people think if they get through.
1: Yeah, there's still... Obviously, both of these teams have a long road to even get to that potential situation because uh, we'll speak about Tassie and Illawarra a little bit later, but whoever wins, New Zealand and uh, Sydney, you're going to play the loser of that Tassie-Illawarra game. So you're still actually going to get through two... Uh, one-off postseason games before you even consider um, what would be Melbourne uh, in that scenario in the first round of the, the playoffs. So they've still got a fair road to go. When you talk about Sydney and the fact that they haven't been reliable defensively all season long, there is a path for the speedster, Parker Jackson Carr right to have 30 plus points in this game. So if you're Sydney, honestly, defensively, now that Anthony Lamb is not there, particularly if Will McDowell-White isn't there, then I think the breakers are going to really struggle to score enough points to keep up with this Sydney Kings team. The one spot that they just can't afford, and no one in a really strong fashion consistently has been able to stop Parker Jackson Carr but I'm almost like, Don't even worry about the offensive glass. Just make sure that you have bodies in front of him and just get back and stop the transition. Because I do think with those guys that are out of this lineup, if you put the breakers in the half-court offense, I think Sydney's going to be halfway home. I think that is defensively has to be the number one goal for this team.
0: Yeah, and that's why it's unbelievably important for the breakers to be locked in defensively. If the Sydney Kings get rolling like they did in Southeast Melbourne, and yes, we understand the context of of the Phoenix team they played, but if they get rolling to a similar extent, then it's going to be really difficult for the breakers to really find sustainability offensively if they're just pulling the ball out the net the whole time. I feel bad for you because you haven't been in this country for the entire season practically. You yeah. haven't been able to see Parker Jackson cart Cartwright. Yeah, um, he is like we've over my years covering the NBL. Like we've had, you know, Jerome Randall and some of these dudes come come through the league, but this guy in transition especially his ability to like to grab even to grab boards and push the ball or to get outlets and push the ball and then when he gets in the lane like you think you're like you think you're in front of him like you get good position in front of him and then he just gets he's already really short right but he gets so low and like can maneuver his body in such a way that he can just like he just angle around you he's he's like one of the most like intriguing athletes i've ever seen um, so I feel bad for you that you haven't been able to watch him in person, and and hopefully if you're if you're around here next season, hopefully he's here next season. he's a really fun one to watch. But he's like he's got to be like priority one, two, and three for that team. Yes, Zion and Cheatham is gonna try to do his thing and, and make an impact on that game. Uh, we'll see what Finn Delaney brings to the table. Uh, Montas Rupstaviches is maybe their other like key offensive threat. Um, but I think the Sydney Kings probably know that stopping. PJC is 80% of the battle. And if they can do that, then like you said, they're halfway home.
1: Yeah, I should have have said that when I'm like, well, just sell out on the offensive glass, get back in transition. Uh, Sometimes it actually doesn't matter. We've seen so many times this season where guys are in really good position and he's just like, I don't really care. I'm just going to scoot around (laughs) and and score as well. He's been ridiculous. I agree with you. It is a shame. Uh, for me selfishly that I haven't been able to see this is another reason why the NBA preseason tour that's why I'm anti it it took the breakers away in October when I was still in Melbourne so (laughs) I didn't get to see that team uh roll through I saw Alex that was probably my most memorable early season just getting to see him up close and personal but I did not see uh the new New Zealand Breakers. you're right uh what about the Sydney Kings starting lineup Uh, What do you think is going to happen here? I don't know how many lineups they've actually had. Someone would have the number, probably Jordan McCallum or our friends over at uh, Spatial Jam, Andrew Price. Someone would have these numbers, but it just feels like, if not weekly, every two weeks, this starting lineup has changed. And I wonder what it looks like against the Breakers. For me, just play your best players. Uh, I, I know that they've mixed with trying to get some sort of spark of energy and bring some of these role players into the lineup. But ultimately, if the Kings, for me at least, are going to go through and win the title, you got to have your best players on the floor, your imports, and ride it out and see where you end up.
0: Yeah, I, it's the thing that's slightly concerned me, which is uh, Abdel Fattah changed the, the starting lineup a bit to go to that Southeast Melbourne Phoenix game, their final game of the season. He, so he put Jonah Bolden in for Jordy Hunter. Now, Geordie Hunter had started... Every single game that he was able to before that. I think he started twenty-six games. Um he might have been injured for one of them, or he started twenty seven games. Uh Jonah Bolden started that last game. And for me, it's like I I don't mind trying different stuff out, like tweaking lineup, seeing what works. It's really concerning when that's happening on game twenty eight. Yes. Uh where you're the guy who has been like the pillar of what you guys have done as far as protecting the paint and being imposing on both ends of the floor inside the paint, he is benched. Um, not that I don't, I, I don't, the, the decision is whatever to me, right? It's, it, if it, it, and it worked in that instance, obviously, we know the context of that instance, and it very well could work down the line. Jonah Bolden is really, really talented. Maybe his skill set works better with this lineup. I don't know. Um, for me, it's just, uh, it, there's a, a slight uh, alarm bells ringing when you're doing these sort of tweaks late in the season. And, you know, Agus Glover didn't get minutes to start the season and then started to pick up minutes. Uh, toward the middle and then got a DMP coach's decision in that last game. Now, again, the actual decision, I'm neither here or there about, right? You do what's best to your team, but just the idea of tweaking them at this point in the season is somewhat concerning. Uh, but I agree with you. I think, like, I think DJ Ho should start. I think yeah. there's a Valentine should start. We've seen them come off the bench at times throughout the season. Hopefully that Phoenix game was an opportunity for the DJ Ho to dust all of that rust off uh, because he has, It's the thing that I don't know if enough people have spoken about with this Kings team, that he was projected to come in as their second best player, as a top five or 10 player in the NBL based on what we saw last season with the Cairns Taipans. And he's been injured for most of the season. He had sort of back-to-back different shoulder injuries that had him out, never got a chance to really dust the rust off. Hopefully he's done that and hopefully we see the best of him. But I agree with you. I think Adams, Jalen Adams, Denzel Valentine, uh, DJ Hogue should start. And then with the other two spots, Basically, uh, uh, take your pick. Uh, do, do you start Tui at the three, Galloway at the three? Do you start Jordy at the five, Jonah at the five? I don't really mind. I, it might be a matchups thing. thing. Um, but yeah, throw... I, I think we saw it against the Phoenix. Shorten that rotation. Go with what you know you're going to play. Uh, don't mess around too much. And, and I think that's the way they're going to go. They have to go that way.
1: Yeah, I'd probably start Galloway as well. And it's Fine. interesting with Sydney... DJ Hoke, So he's only played 15 games this year. So we know that he missed a a big chunk of the season. Um, But other than that, a lot of their key guys have been largely available, which is why when you look at the lineup changes and the stuff they've been trying to figure out, that's why it stands out so much compared to other teams like New Zealand, where it's like, well, obviously they've got different lineups because they've had to, they've had no choice. The availability hasn't been there, but Jalen Adams hasn't missed a game. Uh, Valentine hasn't missed a game. Uh, Geordie Hunter's played 27, Bolden 27, that's out of 28. Alex Tui's played every game, Glover's 27 as well. So you're talking about six out of their top eight rotation guys have missed at most only one game. It was really Galloway that missed some time uh, with a shoulder and then Hogue obviously as well there. So they've had the availability there. Hogue has actually put up 14 points a night. I know that's probably a little below where the expectation were in in the preseason, but this is a one-off game and he's a scorer and i do think that the sydney kings i, I don't necessarily see this team as appointed to winning this game defensively with some sort of master class that comes out of nowhere i think they're just going to score a bunch of points and I, I think they can put up 100 points and, and get the win here and dj Hogue's probably a big part of that so i can't believe i'm saying it because we've gone back and forth over the last few months and i've by the way picked the kings in the preseason to win the title but the longer the season has go- gone gone i was just like i, I just I don't know what to think about this team anymore. I can't trust them. I can't pick them in a one in any one game towards the back end of the regular season. Now we get to a play in, and I'm picking the Kings. But I, I just <laughs> think part of it is is the health situation with New Zealand. Uh, I think it's uh, good timing for the Kings to get this game.
0: Yeah, um, the thing that concerns me with the Kings. So I think I think we both think that they're going to be able to scrape through this one. The only problem is. I think I can remember maybe two games this season that the Kings have won because of their defense. Uh, There was a game in Tassie, and then there was another game beyond that. It might have been Melbourne at home, um, but only two games that they won because of the way they defended, right? Whereas other teams, you can point to a lot of games where they guarded really well, and that's the reason they won. The Kings are very much like a live and die by the three sort of team. And we've seen them die by the three a bunch of times. Both games in Adelaide that they played this season absolutely died by the three. Uh, they, sh- they they started shooting. They didn't stop shooting. They weren't hitting. They kept shooting. And it led to losses, right? This could very well be that situation too. If if shots aren't falling, if Denzel, Val- Denzel Valentine is going to get up you know, seven plus threes hey. in this game. Uh, I wonder if Jalen Adams is going to be prolific from from the three as well. Is Alex Tui going to hit shots this game? Is DJ Hogue going to hit shots? I'm If 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 they make less than 10 threes in this game, then I'm giving New Zealand not just a chance. I think New Zealand would win it if Sydney can't hit at least 10 threes. And that's 10 of men. It might even be more than that because they're probably going to get up 40 threes. Um, but this is that sort of team that again, they're so potent offensively. But sometimes shots don't fall. And it's one of those games that, sure, they can go and win it because of how talented they are and how potent they can be offensively. But this could just be one of those games. It could be one of those shooting luck games. And the Breakers have gone through versions of this as well uh, where they don't have shooting luck because they're a prolific three-point shooting team as well or like a prolific offensive team. Um, it, 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 That's like the scary thing about playing games. It could come down to the shots aren't falling, stuff's going in and out. And that, that might just be... The crux of it.
1: I also think they don't need to settle for the threes. Like we know that they have do, a bunch of guys I, that they that, do. They do, yeah. But we've also seen in stretches in games, there was a game a, a few weeks ago where they got up, I think, 15 threes in the first quarter. They were one for 15 and they were down. And it's like, okay, let's get inside. Jalen Adams has got that floater game. Uh DJ Hogue, even last year in Cairns, didn't necessarily shoot the three well. Part of that is because he takes some crazy shots from out there. But within the perimeter, his two-point percentage was really high. This is a guy that was very efficient in there. And I think that they can dominate those matchups again because they've got so many guys that can score. So for the Kings, I'm saying bring it inside, get to the free throw line, because we already spoke about the depth. You get a couple of these breakers players in foul trouble early, then you're going to put yourself in a really good spot. From the breakers point of view, though, they've done really well to get here when you think about everything they've gone through. Now, I'm sure Modi Mayor isn't taking any... A uh, great comfort out of that fact that they've just got here. I'm sure that they've got uh, greater goals to move on. It could also be Tom Abercrombie's last game. And right. so, look, there will be some emotion there. And I would say that New Zealand, led by Modi, are the type of group, that probably like the fact that there isn't going to be too many people picking them in this game. So I do expect that uh, it will be highly competitive. I just think, based on everything we've discussed here over the last 10 minutes, it's difficult to Really optimistically look forward and pick pick the breakers in this game.
0: Yeah, and I agree with you. The Sydney Kings should absolutely come out of this, come into this game head on the rim, uh, not just because they're at the rim is Mango Matiang, who hasn't been one of the elite centers this season. Um, but get him in foul trouble. They just really don't have depth when it comes to their bigs. Uh, Kings have positional size as well from. Uh, valentine to, to galloway to tui to ho like they're big across the board so use that size i get threes are fun there's so much fun it's it's awesome shooting threes and you're really good at it sometimes, sometimes. but in, in a game like this i think like lean into what's sustainable and when you have a bit of a uh, if you've got some wiggle room then you can lean into to shooting bulk threes but i, I think you've got to be Actually, that's a good question for you. Do you play it safe? So this is for both games, for obviously the three, four, and the, the, the five, six games. Do you play it safe in these games, or do you try to like step? Do you try to go like have an outburst immediately? Is it like now we we want to get out to like a fifteen or a lead real quick, or is it like now we're gonna like dribble our possessions, we're gonna have long possessions, and we're gonna we're gonna treat those possessions with care, or is it now we want we want to get points on the board and, and try to sort of win this exciting game i'm curious at how teams approach this because i actually don't know how i would
1: well i mentioned the fact the kings are 13 and 15 on the season but they're only seven and seven at home like they haven't been a good right. team at home and they haven't throughout the year it hasn't felt like teams have been intimidated going into that building and we have to assume that there's going to be 13 14 000 there i know it's a wednesday night so maybe that's a little bit optimistic but uh, they're going to have a big crowd so if you're the kings yeah, you, you want to blow them away in the first quarter and see if you can really crack the breakers early in this game and stay steady at home. With both of these games, there's really nothing to lose. I know the loser at Tassie Lawari is going to have a home game uh, coming up after that. Uh, but I also think, honestly, if you have the choice of playing Perth or Melbourne, you want to get Perth. That's I know. Yeah. I know Perth is had a great back end of the season, but you do based on what we've seen. Melbourne hasn't lost back to back games all season long. So how do you win a three game or a five game series? It's you would be a heavy underdog. So I think for both games, there's nothing to lose. You play it like your season uh, is on the line. So I, I don't think you hold anything back. I think that counts for foul trouble as well. The coaches are going to have to be courageous with some decisions they make along the way and, and trust some guys to get the job done. And this is why I think the playing basketball is really really fun. Can I uh, pivot to this Illawarra-Tassie game now? Um, Let's start with Justin Tatum because, you know, I said coaches are going to have to be courageous uh, in these games. So as far as the decision to uh, sign Justin Tatum moving forward and the timing of all that, uh, we know there was some space before these games get underway. Uh, What's your understanding of why the timing was the way it was?
0: Um. Uh, I'm gonna I might be a bit cynical about this I think everyone knew that this deal was gonna get done yeah uh and so when it did get done they wanted to just they it was gonna leak it was like it was just gonna get leaked as soon as it got signed right and so as soon as pen was put to paper I was told that like pen was put to paper and then and then five minutes as soon as for for everyone to learn how the sausage gets made five minutes after pen was put to paper I got an, an embargo in my email of hey where we're we are releasing this tonight and so they did not give even an opportunity for rumor to get out or to anything or for anything to really leak that Justin Tatum had signed this this extension or this this three-year deal they had been negotiating for weeks they were able to get that contract together signed by everyone and then they just wanted to get it immediately right they just didn't want because I I have a feeling that you might as well be on the front foot about it and own it straight up as opposed to maybe having innuendo floating out there as you go into a really important game that's my feel on what happened um the, the initial stuff I know what happened as far as like the timing of the signing and the announcement and all that um but I I can understand why yeah instead of innuendo flying around let's just lean into this own it and, and celebrate it um do you think it do you think it could be distracting in any way I, I don't think it would be because I think everyone sort of knew that this was going to happen right so it's like just because it became official nothing functional nothing practical change there um do you think it's just distracting in any way or like what do you what's like the what's the feel that you have on it
1: no i think it's the opposite i, I think if there was yeah. no contract then it would have been a talking point if the hawks continued to win now if they yeah. lost in the play and then yeah whatever it doesn't really matter but then the season's over i think getting it done now and now no one can ask the question it, it's done so i, I think it's yeah. great i think it's great for the group i think the timing was perfect the only thing I would say is, if you just let my man Olgan put the tweet out there, you're gonna you're gonna get more eyes <laughs> on the news. So I think we need to rethink the way we're doing this. I know the teams want to break their own news, but you're gonna get more coverage if my man Olgan puts it out in the airwaves. So just consider that teams out there.
0: Look, the t- teams. If if I get teams embargo me, and if and I'm like ethical, so if I'm embargoed, I abide by it. With right? most, that's just. I I I. I've only broken one embargo ever and it was by accident. Uh I don't break embargoes if you embargo me. But like please don't embargo me. Please let me let me just gather the information and, and put it out there. It's so much more enjoyable that way. This space is 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 like is put in a better position. We thrive more as a as a unit if I can go do that. So just message to teams out there. Get rid of embargoes. They're pointless.
1: Pointless. And uh well, you know I'm a big fan <laughs> of yours, Oggs. Uh this game. Okay. So it's gonna be no surprise to you. That I like the Tassie Jack Jumpers in this game. I've liked them since the the preseason to really uh, be able to do good things this season. Uh, can you make a case for the Illawarra Hawks? Keeping in mind this has been an awesome, awesome defensive team over the 19 games that Justin Tatum has been in charge.
0: Uh, awesome defensive team, a top three or four offensive team since Tatum took charge as well. So yep. I want to say they're top three or four in both categories. So if assuming you, you sort of carry over results, if Tatum was in charge for the whole time. You can reasonably then just deduce that they would be a top fourteen in every category, and probably, and they are a top four team in the league, right? So it all makes sense. Um, I think the the Illawarra Hawks go into this game with the best player on the floor, and that's Gary Clark. Uh, I think he's someone who is going to be very difficult for the Jack Jumpers to stop. Now they do have that help. Now now the key is Magna; they have that helpline, right? So garrett clark in the post you know what one dribble to a hook and you got magnet there right or marcus lee that's a different story to sort of the what what he would have faced consistently throughout the season um but i think he's the best player on the floor uh tyler harvey has been in these sorts of high pressure situations before and i think he's been really good to end this season um that's that's about it for me. I'm I'm curious if Sam Frolling is able to step up in this environment. Um the the, the Clark Frolling duo has been really, really good. If Magne's coming over to help on Gary Clark, are we gonna get bulk frolling touches in the paint? And if you're giving Frolling open look after after open look, that's gonna be tough. Um but I, I do think this, this Hawks team, they have a shot. I think I think they can shoot the ball well enough. I think they've got the wing shooters to, to supplement their stars. Uh, I think Justin Robertson has really come into his own in like the back quarter of the season. And so they have the, the, the offensive pieces to be able to get points on the board against the Jack Jumpers defense that has been good since Magna has joined it. Um, and I think they're defensively solid enough to stay in game. They stayed in that game against Melbourne, they beat the Jack Jumpers in that double overtime game. They've lost the other two times they played them but i think they've been that's the key i reckon they've been able to stay in games because of their defense and then they have the offensive firepower to 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 go and win them out too yeah for the most
1: part there was just the the game or two there for the hawks but uh, remember they've also played a whole stack of games in succession because again that november schedule where they barely played at all so they had to catch up a lot of games towards the back end of the season so there were some weird instances where they they did lose games by double digits that was kind of not really reflective of what we'd seen right through this Justin Tatum run. Uh, we know that jack jumpers never get blown out. They haven't lost by more than eight points all season long. So it does point to the fact that this would be a, a really tight game. I, I do wonder defensively because we will point to the defense of the jack jumpers and say, okay, well, they've been improved historically. They've been elite. Uh, but I think defensively for Illawarra, you mentioned the best player on the floor being. Um, gary clark that that might well be the case but I, I think one of the things that makes the jack Jumper so difficult to defend is that uh, jack McVay has obviously gone to another level there's been a lot of buzz around him over the last couple of weeks entering that sort of award uh, season there and he's six eight and then you have milton doyle who is actually smaller than you think but plays taller so if milton doyle's six four six five but he, yeah, I think he plays a little bit taller than that. He looks taller than that. He's long. He's got he's got the length, and he can shoot from the outside. So they've got two guys that are six five or above. Jack McVay, obviously significantly bigger. They can create on the perimeter. There isn't that many teams that have like primary, multiple primary offensive options like that. And then they've got right. the guard for Jordan Crawford. So if I look at Crawford and say, well, he's been uh, dropping off a little bit towards the back end of the season, is it or Bullock that? that tries to defend him. I think he's been pretty good for the Hawks in this stretch since moving into the starting lineup. Um, But I don't know who's guarding both McVay and Doyle because maybe Swiker Bullock is forced to guard Milton Doyle. And then what does that do? So I I do think matchup-wise, I I like the jack jumpers and the the amount of guys they have that can score and and create their own shots on the perimeter.
0: Yeah, I'm curious to who they throw... Wani at. at uh, because outside of him, the only sort of point of attack guy who I think they trust is Debo Hickey. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you can play Debo Hickey bulk minutes in, in play-in or playoff environments, um, and you, I, I especially don't think you can play Debo Hickey and uh, Swakula book on the floor at the same time for an extended period of time. Um, I just think that that hurts them a lot on the other end of the floor. Um, If going into this one, if you're looking at, and this is like a super simple question, but it's fun. uh, Crawford and Doyle as one backcourt, and you've got Robinson and Harvey as the other. Now, considering the fact that Crawford has dropped off to an extent, uh, and I think Josh Robinson has picked it up a lot toward the end of the season. And then Harvey, I think has been just really solid under Justin Tatum in a lot of different ways. He can pop off and, and put points on the board, or he can just be like a connector sort of gravity guy um, out of those two backcourts are they, are they more evenly matched up than people may realise?
1: Well I, I think probably the big difference is and and you know, again a one off game if we were talking a seven game series then I think this matters more than it will on Wednesday night because yeah. it's only one game so anything, any four of these guys any one of these four guys could go absolutely crazy but I think the guy I trust the most out of those four is Milton Doyle in terms of consistency of performance, now we know that he also dropped off when he went away uh, from the country for a little while. There came back and took a little while, but I think we've seen him get back to uh, his early season level. So I think he's the most reliable guy. So I would probably take the Jack Jumpers backcourt just based on that alone. But here's the big wild card for the game. You can talk about Clark and Doyle and, and Magnet, who's going to be massive defensively, but Harvey's the wild card in the game for me. Because he's a guy that shoots around 39%, 32% from three. And even if you look at his last regular season games, five for 13, six for 14, seven for 16, six for 17, we see this all the time. But then he can have a night where he can go absolutely ballistic and all those shots that when he takes them, you think, ah, what is Tyler Harvey doing? If he knocks them down and gets hot, then he is a guy that can get 25, 30 beyond. And if he has an efficient night, which he does have every four or five games in a one-off, he is the player that I think looms the largest as the guy that can go crazy and and take the Hawks to a win here.
0: Yeah, and we spoke about that with the 5-6 game. I think, I, I agree, it can be the case in this one where if Tyler Harvey pops off, then anything can happen, right? Uh, but there's there's the person who has, and I agree with you that Milton Doyle is... The guy that out of those four backcourt dudes, I trust the most. Right, I can you can probably rely on him the most. Uh, do you know who the person is who I trust the most in this instance though? Out of everyone involved in these two teams, Scott Roth. Just- now the Jack Jumpers went into this three-four game last season against the Cairns Taipans, and it was in Cairns, and everyone was everyone was high on the Taipans because they were this team that sort of got up and down. They guarded really well. They had funky players on their team. They were long and athletic. Uh, And then Scott Roth's jack jumpers came in and were able to be just unbelievably solid defensively. And everything was just like firing on all cylinders on the other end. And I have a feeling that that's what we're going to see. I think we're going to see like a coaching masterclass uh, on Wednesday night where Scott Roth just has everyone as organized as they can be. And as much as... There are opportunities for teams to pop off or to, to gu- for guys to hit back-to-back 3s and really try to blow the game open i trust the solidness of the jack jumpers and what scott roth has ingrained in that team to withstand any sort of punch that the hawks have um at the end of the day like i think that's the most significant thing yes the magnate portion on both ends especially defensively is going to be key whether whether crawford or harvey Hit shots is key. Whether Justin Robinson is able to get two feet in the paint to the extent that he does is key. Young Julie hitting three, Sean McDonald hitting threes, McVeigh, whatever. Scott Roth having that team as organized as he has throughout the entire season. The reason they haven't lost any game by double digits. I think that's the sort of Jack Jumper's team we're going to see. It's going to be an organized, well-drilled team. And, and I imagine they win that game. And if they win that game, I've got them going to the, the championship series.
1: I think the biggest reason for that is, and the uh, the very small variance in performance for the Jack Jumpers is because they essentially play the style of basketball that you're going to see in the postseason every single mm-hmm. night. They play slower than every other team. That's why, uh, that is part of the reason why the games are always closer. There's fewer possessions That's in the game. The Jack Jumpers execute. A lot of the teams will rely on, okay, we need to get in transition. Okay, we're going to bang a whole heap of threes. For the Jack Jumpers, it's all execution every single time, and if there is multiple possessions where there isn't execution, Scotty Roth's going to call a timeout, go ballistic, and they'll get and they'll get back out there, and the machine will keep rolling. So that's why I think even through the losses this year, there were a team that that struck me as as a team that was going to continue to have success and put themselves in a chance to to go on a postseason run. If you trust Scott Roth, though, Justin Tatum should he have been Coach of the Year?
0: Uh, uh, we did this on headline or storyline, and I gave a really fence city (laughs) answer. But I try, I didn't, I but I didn't sound weird. Uh, It was was super reasonable. If so, uh, Dean Vickerman won Coach of the Year. I think that was such a reasonable thing to have occurred, right? Dean Vickerman had the best team in the league. They're a top three offense, top three defense all season long. They never lost back to back games. Dean Vickerman deserved it. Justin Tatum also would have deserved it if he won it then all the reasons would have made sense as well. I don't, I don't think they would have, if Tatum won, I don't think it would have been an injustice. I would. I think it would have been, wow, this team, this, this dude got a team that was two and seven, managed to turn them around, made them into a really, really good defensive team, a top three or four offensive team as well, and has them into a very unlikely, not just the plane, but the three, four plane. No yeah. one pictured that. And so what he was able to do with that team was worthy of an award in the same way that Dean Vickermans was. I was honestly fine with either of those two winning it.
1: I think it's very fair. I, look, I've been banging on about the, the the games you know played for awards and eligibility. If you just cut it down to the numbers of the season, I wrote this in the column as well. 32% of the season, Jacomas was head coach. Now, you could hey. easily make the case that that actually boosts in yes, Tatum's yes. case so that is a very valid argument and ultimately I would have been fine if Tatum won it but I, I do think part of building a team and coaching and preparing for the season yes it's the 28 games but we know Vickerman has such a significant part in building a roster as well and getting guys to come to yeah. the team and then you go through the preseason, you go through the regular season so I think all that matters so I, th- I think you know, if you missed the first nine games, and Tatum was there, to be fair, and he was working. Uh, I'm not saying he wasn't, but he wasn't the head coach. I just think the case for two guys that were pretty close, I, I think for me, that slants it um, towards Vickerman. So I, I, if I had a final vote or a final choice or whatever, or someone asked me and it was my decision, I would have gone with Vickerman. But Tatum, the story's been ridiculous. And uh, he's a fascinating interview as well. And we should say, Wednesday night, 5 p.m. on ESPN, Uh, The great Andrew Gaze sits down with Justin Tatum for a half an hour special, which leads you right into the game. So I think people are going to have to leave work early or something because from five (laughs) right through to about 9.30, maybe a little bit later on Wednesday night, it's all going to be NBL postseason on ESPN. So make sure you catch the chat with Gazey and Justin Tatum. I've seen it. Uh, The great man did did an unbelievable job. It was was entertaining, funny, as you would imagine. He did uh, great stuff. So make sure you check that out, 5 p.m. Wednesday night on ESPN. It it does lead me to the question, and I didn't want to start with this because I think the positivity and the excitement for these games is overwhelmingly the big talking point right now. But the scheduling of the doubleheader on Wednesday and just the fact that we've been sitting here for two weeks waiting for this to happen, I understand the complexities. It's not easy. There's a bunch of reasons why it happened. So I understand that. So it's not about that. I just don't think that the NBL can can let this happen again next year, to have this break leading into the postseason because I live and breathe it. I watch every game. So do you. You're around it. Oh, I, I wish I had more of a life than this, but I don't. All I do is watch basketball. <laughs> so I, I am going to be as invested as anyone. And even I've sat here over the last few days and... It's lost all the buzz. I'm like, well, we got playoffs this week, have we? Okay, yeah, let's let's dial back in and remember what we saw two weeks ago when the momentum couldn't have been any better coming off a wild last few weeks of the regular season. I just think it's a a shame. It'll be great. The games will be great, and it'll all pick up again. But I I just don't think you can afford to lose all this momentum as they have, in my opinion, over this little stretch.
0: Yeah, I I just, in my mind, it's, it's more, I don't know how you avoid it. Uh, like even the next two FIBA windows are uh, uh, November and then February again. We're going to go through this again. Um, I don't know how to avoid it unless you really shorten the season or start the season super early, which I I can't envision them bringing back to the extent that you need to to avoid the break. Uh, but I agree with you. Like I was I was in Bendigo for that first Boomers game and I stayed up to watch the other one against Indonesia and like it was cool to watch Boomers games. But you know we're here covering the NBL and i'm just i'm sort of here just like twiddling my thumbs just doing nothing and like you said like this is a significant part of our lives so if it's if it's something that may just be like on the periphery for a person it's really easy for that just to float away um so that is somewhat of a concern i guess the saving grace is the fact that the playing games exist and it's a it's a mixture of those games being uh so high urgency because they are do or die and so i guess just the the nature of those games can drag people in to watch them um and then it's those are sort of like your teasers going into the playoffs and so if you forgot that the NBL postseason was just around the corner or it was basically coming right at you you have these two games to lead you into it right right so you have the two games on Wednesday and then you have the next the next one ticket to, to whoever wins that that four spot um but you have these games to sort of remind you that may be the only saving grace. Um, like, I, I think it was worse last season where we had a, an entire play-in semi semifinals and then had to have a yeah. big-ass break going into the championship series. I think that's worse because then it's like game one of the grand final series is just going to come out of nowhere to most people. Now, this, at the very least, we have a lead-in period going to game one of the semifinal series.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, and that's why I can say that I think it's not good and it's been a shame that this is the way it's okay. happened and that, that's how I feel. But I also at the same time am saying, I don't have a perfect answer. I wonder, and because you go back to the start of the regular season, I thought it was awesome to start on grand final week, particularly in Melbourne with a throwdown. I believe it was a Thursday night. Then everyone had the day off Friday in Victoria. It's a football game. We need a public holiday. And, uh, <laughs> and so I thought that capitalizing on that week, was was awesome. I thought that's perfect. I would start that week every year if that's the way it works out because I think that's a that's a time where you can really hook people in. One game of footy left, all right, let's hook into basketball and let's lock in for the season. So I think that was great. Uh, I don't know how the players or teams feel about this, so that's certainly a consideration again. I know I what just,
0: you're about to say and I agree with it. Go ahead, say it. I, can we just, I think it is.
1: We could we could play more games in early games in the season. Wait. Three yeah, And... And then all of a sudden, your season is either shortened or if you don't want to go down that path, then you you stretch it out and just ensure that the FIBA break is not falling on the postseason. Have it with a week or two to go in the regular season. So then when you come back, it's like, all right, everyone's all in. And again, I don't know how the players or the teams feel about that. I also think a consideration to take into account is I would imagine the league doesn't want to extend the season too far into football and rugby seasons. I would guess that that's a consideration there, but I think that there are some options there. I just, I just think that you want to avoid this gap happening during the postseason or right at the start of the postseason because that's I don't think it it's good for the fans. I think people do lose interest. And also the other thing is, I don't think, and I discussed it with you, and I'm not sure. <laughs> how sold everyone will be on this thought but i also think it's bad for the two teams that were the best right through the regular season in perth and melbourne who now have to sit for what's going to be like almost three weeks and then come straight back into postseason basketball and play against playing teams that have just played one or two games they've already shaken off the rust a little bit there might be some older players or some banged up players in those perth and melbourne teams that have appreciated a little bit of a break but in my experience from talking to players over the years and teams When you come in and all of a sudden you're playing that game, there is going to be some rust and there can be some variance in performance. And I think that you are taking away an advantage that two teams have deserved by finishing one or two on the table through 28 games.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I I think the players would like playing three games a week. Uh, It would need less practice. And I think players would like that. Um, And then the other thing is if you can get this season done slightly earlier, Right. Not only do you avoid uh, the drama of having a fever break there that that cuts up your season for some reason, um, but these players can then go and sign other contracts, which yeah. is something that they like to do. These guys get offers in January. Hey, go sign in this European team, or come sign in China, or come sign this 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 ten day contract in the NBA. That's more toward the end of the season. But you can sign these contracts and you can you can go and be part of these teams out, and they're giving up a lot of money hanging around and then the fever break just extends the season even more like this would give the opportunity for for all the games to get done for the for the playoffs to happen without a weird gap in the middle and then these guys can go inside in China or Israel or Europe or wherever and make that extra bit of money I think this is something that the players would actually like and appreciate and want to do um I'm I'm intrigued at what the hold-up would be I don't know if it'd be stadium availability if teams don't want to do it if it's if it's a tough sell for fans getting to three potentially three games a week maybe that's a tough thing um but i think that's something that should be looked into because i i don't think we want to keep doing this thing where the there is a break either before the postseason or in the middle of the postseason i think i agree with everything that you said it just cuts it up too much it loses all of its momentum
1: and again there are factors that are beyond what i'm thinking about i'm talking about in an ideal scenario so luke Sicari or anyone else don't Don't bother texting, all right? I I, uh, I understand. I understand that it's a challenge. Uh, Speaking of the Boomers, though, uh, I didn't catch these games. I don't even know how I would find these games over here in in the US, but you keep track of the box scores for sure and the scores, and Australia got the job done. Uh, You were able to watch these games. I don't know if we're going to break this down in any fine detail. I don't think it's totally necessary, but by my count, and keep me accountable here in case I'm wrong, I, I think Jordan Hunter was the only player that is still in the NBL postseason on the Boomer squad, I think that's right. Am I missing someone?
0: Ben, Henschel, ben, ben Hensel, of course, isn't a, a big minutes guy, but he may not get any minutes. Yeah, that's but that's
1: a that's a good call, yeah. Ben, uh, obviously, with uh, the Wildcats there, um, because I, I think that's a question people ask. These squads are usually NBL players as well. Could you get away with? guys that aren't still involved in the action i don't think that's necessarily fair because i don't think you should ever take away an opportunity from these guys to put their hands up uh and it obviously means a lot to those guys but big picture you know gorge was there any one of those guys you think is going to make a serious run at the final squad for paris assuming everyone is
0: healthy uh so like for the camp maybe yeah. I, I think I think Vasilovic probably gets invited to camp. It wasn't his best two performances. He might have shot like nine of thirty from the, throughout the throughout both ends. Right? He's, he's a volume scorer. Hey, uh, hey, oh, so You know
1: what he should have been doing? Now, congratulations to Scotty Ninnis, of course, who deserved the job in Adelaide. But yes. my, my man DJ should have been pining for Gorge, and in every press conference, saying <laughs> he's the greatest coach of all time. All I want to do is play for Gorge. That's what yeah. the, he should have been playing the long game.
0: But you know what though he no like DJ rocked up to camp and he rocked up in those games he got all the shots he wanted yeah so yeah. it's fine Gorge yeah, let him right. shoot them um, right. granted it's because they're also just it wasn't a super talented team right they had to they they didn't get like their sort of first and second options yeah um, and so DJ was like the primary wing scorer on his team uh, so I think he probably I think he probably gets invited to camp uh, yeah. making the team is, is a long order um, maybe Josh Bannon has done enough. To get a look in at camp. Uh, he's someone who I think they maybe see some longevity. In. is he sort of the next Jack White, Nick Kay sort of guy? Uh, do you vote involving involve him in camp now just to let him get a feel of it? Um, I I think Rocco could get an invite to camp. He's still extremely green. He's very raw. Um, he's really young. He's 17. But again, Gorge has has wanted to make make an emphasis of. Uh, getting reps into these guys, making sure that they're involved, making sure that they're, they're, they're loved, right? And so I think Rocco gets invited. Uh, they're the main... And, and then I'm curious, uh, the two bigs, right? Jordy Hunter, Isaac Humphries. Um You obviously have like Will Magne out there as well. I wonder if Jonah Bolden might be involved in a camp situation. Uh, but you have these bigs out there who I think would be... They'd be valiant in bringing those guys to camp. And, and Jordy and Jonah um better in the second game against indonesia but they were really good in practice which a lot of people which no one saw um they weren't great in that game against korea but they're really good in practice so i think gorge likes what he sees out of those two they're interesting pieces um and then there are more longer-term guys i think ben henschel is a wing who i think the boomers program sees as a potential long-term guy maybe a 2027 world cup or 28 olympics sort of guy um, someone like him Taron Armstrong is super interesting uh, they like what they like what they saw out of him again there's still some rawness to his game because he's young but there's a lot of talent there um, those those are the guys who I, who I think walked away with from this it, some like steps to go for like there's a pathway for these guys
1: yeah I, I would say clearly for me the guy that that could actually find himself you know, in that final 13-14 is DJ just for the for the shooting uh for the skill set i i think that that is something the boomers do need Uh, we know that they didn't really use chris golding at the world cup if they pick a shooter it would be hard to see them moving uh, beyond chris golding just because uh, he's arguably had his best nbl season in six seven years so there's not much else he could have possibly done did they take two shooters i'm not sure but dj is probably the one guy the big man, just for the squad, it's going to be an outrageous stack of fours and fives that the boomers can bring in. It's ridiculous, the the level of talent there. Uh, you did mention uh, Rocco, and certainly anyone I speak to that has anything to do with the program or has been around it, it he's the guy that they bring up. And it, it won't, won't be for Paris, uh, but beyond, I think that there is some pretty significant expectations that he's going to be a big part of it. Uh, he was listed earlier today at 29 in the 2025 NBA a mock draft from Jonathan Gavoni, So Rocco came in at 29 and then Tyrese Proctor actually came in at 30. Uh, he hasn't had a, a, a great season at Duke this year in year two. So that would suggest that maybe he could be leaning towards a third year there. Uh, he's sort of been the third guy on that Duke team at the moment, but Proctor, another guy that's off the radar because he's at college. Johnny Furphy looks like he's rocking in towards first round this year in the draft. Yeah. So, the point being, I think Paris is going to be really challenging. I don't think it's going to get any easier. It's going to get harder by the time the next World Cup rolls around in a couple of years.
0: Yeah. From, I'm looking at the, one of the positions I think the team wants to have is like shooting wings. Yeah. And you're looking at Furphy, Proctor, Tui, yeah. like Henschel. Like, there'll be, and that's on top of Green, and uh, like dyson Daniels could play the wing and let's see if the shot comes around a little bit more like Galloway there's some Galloway <laughs> like man there's some really cool talent like across the board but especially in those wing spots uh, this boomers team could be really fun uh and, and the the way that gorge wants to play and then we'll see who sort of takes over from him uh but like uh, it's just gonna be a team full yep. of you know due to a between six five and six nine. Who can all theoretically handle the ball and can switch everything? These these are going to be fun teams. Like there's going to be a team that's like like Giddy Green, Furfy, Tui. Yeah. And then just like pick whichever big you want. I don't care. And man, and I don't and put put one of like the guards there as well. Go play five wings. I don't care. Like the, these are going to be really fun teams. And the name I didn't mention from this this Boomers campaign is Nick K. But I feel like he's like a separate category. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for anyone who Concerned about that. No, like, is, he's, like, very well in camp and probably in the team, but he's just a different category to the other guys. He's done... He's, he's an Olympia.
1: Nah, he's an old campaigner at this point. He was just uh, showing <laughs> the youngsters the ropes there over those two games. All right, let's wrap it up. I mentioned it. Uh, we came in a little earlier today to get this podcast done because Wednesday night from 5 p.m., you've got Gazy and Justin Tatum one-on-one for 30 minutes. That leads you into... Uh, nbl playing basketball the hawks and the jackies the breakers and the kings the grand final rematch it's going to be interesting but one of those two teams will be done and dusted by late wednesday night uh, and then we're back at it on the weekend so as i said right from the top with this podcast just make sure you got the subscription the follow the whatever it's free to do but if you turn the notifications on then you'll know because the schedule's just going to be a little bit all over because we need to navigate uh, all these games and we're gonna have some midweek postseason basketball uh, maybe some more midweek regular season basketball next next year, hey, Ogs, We'll see see, uh, see what happens there. Let's leave it there. We can't wait for the play and We're happy the NBL is back, and it was a pleasure, as always, to see you, Oggs. Outstanding work by you.
0: Thanks, Kane. Thank you very much.
1: All right. Keep it locked on ESPN. Right through the week between the NBL and the NBA, there is a non-stop hoops. It's a good time of year to be a basketball fan. We'll catch you all next time.